0: We keep our promises at the Learning Geeks podcast and we are finally, finally doing something that we promised to do. We have the lead for learning at Accenture and the patron saint of the Learning Geeks podcast, the one, the only, Allison Horn live in studio today. It's the Learning Geeks podcast coming up now. Jake this will be a day long remembered because we are finally having Allison on the show and you know Allison it has been really hard you know we have we have called your people Time and time again, and been like, we need to have Allison on the show, and it's always, well, Allison's doing this, Allison's doing that. She's too busy. <laughs> she just has. She's too busy. She, she doesn't, doesn't have, have time, time for, for you the learning people. Geeks.
1: There is zero yeah. truth to this. Absolutely zero. Truth. You know how I know that there's zero truth to this? It's because I don't have people. So if you called my people. You called somebody else's people because I don't have people. <gasps>
0: We must have had a long time. Ellison number, Bob. Harn. Ellison Something Harn. Like yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. This it is how I know one there one is no. Trace to this. It.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. I listen to this
1: podcast all the time. And I keep hearing this thing about being a patron saint of it. And I'm like, you'd think they would invite me on the show at one point.
0: And f- and we are. And Thank we have you. And now we have you on board. So it is a delight to have you in the virtual studio here. Where are you calling in from today?
1: I am calling in from Timonium, Maryland, which is right north of Baltimore.
0: Timonium? Timonium. Is that the town you live in?
1: It is, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: It's like, it where does that fall on the periodic table?
1: It's, uh, <laughs> it's like kind of right off to the edge, sort of like how Baltimore is kind of off to the edge of every other major <laughs> metro city in the U.S. You know, we're always up and coming. We just haven't gotten there yet.
0: Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. That's mm-hmm. great. Well, Allison, we we are absolutely delighted to have you. And it has—we're we're doing this at the end of 2018. It has been a pretty stellar 2018 for Accenture in the learning field, right? I think you—you uh, you may have been the recipient of an award, or at least received it on the behalf of the rest of Accenture.
1: Yeah, it was pretty exciting. This was the entire Accenture learning organization being named the Learning Organization of the Year by. CLO Magazine, the whole learning elite space. We were privileged, honored, humbled, all of the above um, to be included in the short list and to certainly come back and and win that award this year. So big year.
0: That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. It has been an exciting year for learning at Accenture and we want to hear more about it, but I know Jake has a more personal question to
2: start off with. I don't know if it's a personal question, but. Individual, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, so any analysis, anybody that does come to the show, since you do listen, we always like to ask multiple questions Mm -hmm. and then start some dialogue. So one of the first questions I do have for you is that what is the coolest thing that you've seen and learned learning recently?
1: Oh, that is a good question. And, you know, I think typically when I am asked, you know, what's the coolest thing you've seen here or the coolest thing that you're seeing over there, my mind almost always goes to some new tech gadget, some new functionality, some new feature in an app, whatever it may be. But you know, when I think about the coolest thing I'm seeing and learning recently, it's actually getting back to the basics. It's getting back to the basics Hmm. of, you know, humans teaching humans, the concepts of modern apprenticeship and peer-to-peer learning very much coming back to the forefront so, so I don't have a, an answer of a new shiny object of any kind. I, it's really a little bit more about you know looking back at some much more you know traditional and foundational styles of learning that we are re you know, that are resurging right? that we're seeing that the benefit in our modern modern day world again.
2: So, what what was interesting about that is, I, so I wrote down my answer of what I would think, and I'm actually very similar uh, to yours, where. Last week, I, I got to be a part of a, the fourth, a fourth grade classroom. So it was my wife's fourth grade classroom. So, you know, these are like nine, 10 year olds. And um, what I thought was really cool, what I thought was cool in learning was the fact that they were trying to light an LED light bulb using a battery and some aluminum foil. And it was just a simple, simple activity, but they were so immersed into it and seeing the kids being able to reflect on it, being able to explore, question, share and see. They just had such a great time. And the fact that what I started to think about from the adult side is that how can we make even those simple things, just getting you know the adults or whoever more immersed using very basic, simple strategies, which then le- leads into some rich type of learning. So I, again, I think it is back to the basics. I think that's a good, really good point. Yeah.
1: And you know, back to the basics, but also the social components of it, right, where you know, we mm-hmm. are very much in a digital world and our world is becoming more and more digital every single day. And we're starting to see the recognition and acceptance, again, of the importance of the human to human connections and that social, that social element that is so critical just to learning in general, right? I mean, it's critical to every aspect of us as, you know, as, as our humanity, but even more so with learning. So it's, it's really great and refreshing to see that, that coming back into, the, into focus.
0: Yeah. And in a parallel strand, you know, like my son, who is a digital native, who has access to pretty much every solo computer game or cooperative computer game, like World of Warcraft or anything like that, he's really resonating now with playing Dungeons and Dragons with his friends sitting around a table on a Saturday night. <laughs> and, you know, I it does make me wonder if you know, kind of the whole social online swing is maybe that pendulum is coming back a little bit more or is at least balanced, right? Mm-hmm. That people are valuing that live interaction. And that totally, totally plays through in corporate learning.
3: Well, and Bob, the, uh, the research that Allison commissioned, the learning in the future research bears that out in a couple of ways. One is in the area, Allison, that you mentioned about being digitally human, that the digital space is um, taking over a lot of things, but what it's doing is it's enabling human connection. Even if you're not physically in the same room, uh, digital tools are I- enabling more personal uh, interactions. Another way it plays out in the whole idea of learning from anybody. Uh, we call it the you teach me, I teach you. Uh, and so there's and then yeah, I guess the, the third area that that our research bore out was around the the immersive reinvented. and Bob, to your point, a lot of that, really was about gaming and getting people together and they talked to some of the research shared about the um, some of the gaming cafes that are being opened uh, in various parts of the country where people get together to have that social interaction
0: I have no idea what you're talking about there Dana I have never been to a place like that I <laughs> bet you've been to several like that to, to keep the lying going today yeah
3: all right well Allison I've got a follow-up question to that and and maybe the answer is the same but um, So Jake asked what the coolest thing is that you've seen Mm -hmm. in learning. What do you look forward to in learning in 2019?
1: Let's see. Well, honestly, part of it is bringing the coolest things that we're seeing in learning to life, right? So, you know, at Accenture, we're going to be making some big shifts and some big investments to bring some more formality to -to peer-to-peer learning, to modern apprenticeships, to learning from others, right? To that concept of everyone is a teacher, you teach me, I teach you. So I'm pretty excited to to see that come to life. And of course, at Accenture, anything we bring to life, we bring to life at scale. So we will absolutely be learning a lot about what it takes in order to create successful learning cohorts next year. So I'm very excited about that. And I would say the second thing I'm excited about is it feels like we are right in the middle of, if you will, the explosion of neuroscience everywhere, right? Right. You know, at Accenture, we've been researching and bringing aspects of neuroscience of learning into everything that we're doing, right from our design all the way to the delivery of programs. But we're now starting to see the application well beyond just learning. We're seeing it with engagement. We're seeing it with work structures, and it's no longer something that just a few a few people in you know centers of expertise around the company or even within the learning organization or learning industry are talking about. It's everywhere. I mean. You know, you go out to Amazon and just do a quick, quick Google, a quick search on, you know, neuroscience and work, and you get screen after screen after screen of people writing about this. So, so in summary, I would say I'm really excited about how much more we are not only learning about the whole neuroscience of humanity, if you will, but how it's getting applied. It's getting out of the labs and into the real world.
3: And Allison, one other thing that, you know, you said that Accenture does this type of thing at scale. I think one of the, mm-hmm. the things that I really appreciate about Accenture is that uh, the company is really willing to share what we learn. And
2: sure. frequently
3: Accenture is represented at conferences or uh, in other venues, articles. I, I understand that you have an article coming up in the Chief Learning Officer magazine uh, in the, after the first of the year. So we're really good at uh, sharing those things. And I I really value that. I, I think the community at large values that as well.
1: Well, and for us, right, this is part of being a good, a good corporate citizen in our learning industry, right? We're sharing what we learn. Others are sharing what they learn with us, right? It's a, it's a reciprocal relationship for sure.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I'm seeing that's interesting as we're using neuroscience to learn more about learning is how. What's kind of been common sense or some of the other research that we have seen in the past and applied is bearing out. So, the durable learning principles, for example, we see those in action as we're measuring the immersion uh, through measuring people's neuro signals. Uh, But then that's also leading us to the ability that when we see an anomaly, so if we see something in the data that we don't expect, we know that there is another factor at play that we need to look at, that we need to look to address. And that's just giving us the opportunity to make learning better and better. So I'm excited about that for 2019 as we get more into that field as well.
2: I totally agree. And, and I think with me, I think one of the big things I'm really looking forward to is it really links to all this. And that is we are seeing more of that, uh, the, the, the movement and the shift to putting the learner actually at the heart of what we do. We talk about learning at the center, but I think it's really focusing more on the, uh, the individual, supporting that individual and helping them and then using the science on, on, um, and what we know to really truly help them throughout their learning process, which, you know, I think that's, that's the moving in the, definitely in the right direction. So, um, Alice, I have another question, you know, as a leader in corporate learning, what advice would you have for K through 12 education for universities or, um, you know other colleges.
1: You know it's it's quite frankly similar advice as we give within and across our own learning organization. Treat the time that you have together in person for learning as incredibly valuable, magical time. Spend that time only focused on the content, the domains, the behaviors, the skills that. Are required, right? That really grow and develop and strengthen with in person or person to person contact. And then all the rest of what we're doing, make that the homework. You know, the flipped classroom is certainly not a new concept, right? But yet it is shocking the extent to which so few schools and, you know, even colleges and universities have adopted that. So, you know, part of me would be very simple and just say, hey, Look around, right? Go back to three, five years ago, right? When the whole concept of the flipped classroom started to be introduced. Read research, reads what's happening, and and start building that in. You know, we've got such great opportunities with students living and breathing in this mindset of I have homework and I have in class work, right? Um, you know, to the extent that we can better tune learning for those two domains, that combination between the two could be so much more strong than it is today.
3: Are there any particular skills that you wish that colleges and universities would be teaching that they're not currently teaching? I mean, we have, we Accenture hires a lot of people every year. Yeah. Um, you know, are there some things that you you just wish? Gosh, I wish they would have learned X, Y, or Z at the university.
1: Yeah, you know, Dana, I don't know that it's the absence of these skills. It's not that these skills are not being taught right on the the college level but I wish they'd be taught more explicitly, right? So these are things like complex problem solving, negotiations, emotional intelligence, right? Those, those types of areas. You know, it's, it's what we refer to as our power skills across Accenture. It's what the WEF refers to as, you know, the critical skills for 2020. Um, you know, when you look at these very human skills, like we even talk about them in our whole humans plus machines, you know, vernacular, right? These are the skills that humans will always be better at than machines, these are the skills that we need to be, you know, not just developing around the edges, but really bringing to the center. Right. We've got creativity. We've got judgment um, all of this. And this is this is what I would love to see, not just colleges and universities, but all the way from you know down to the K-12 space going bigger on.
0: Allison, I wonder how we make that happen, because. Those skills are also what are traditionally referred to as soft skills, right?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And when you're talking in the C-suite with folks and you hear the uh, the term soft, it usually doesn't inspire ideas of investing lots of time and money. So how do we make that culture change take place?
1: Yeah. Well, a couple of ways. One, we change the language, right? You hear me refer to them as power skills. I never refer to them as soft skills anymore, right? Right. Um. You reference, you reference the facts that, you know, what's happening with the World Economic Forum. You reference the literature that's looking at where are we going with respect to humans and technology and, you know, the combination of the two. And I think when we can bring it into the business language and explain why these skills that were once thought of as the, the stuff around the edges, the soft skills are really, truly going to be the game changers of tomorrow, that's where we start to see the time, the energy, the investment all levels, right? In terms of further developing these skills.
2: So one, one thing that I, uh, I was thinking about this question myself, and there's one thing that, um, I was thinking about r- around removing some of the traditional rituals that we as learners tend to have specifically as we go on. So it's not, you know, related directly to the, um, to those power skills, but, um, when we do get in those situations, how do we learn more effectively and actually do things more efficiently and you know i think one of the challenges that many kids as well as as they 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 get older is that we do have those traditional rituals that we have we think is the best way to learn mainly because you know our grandpa has one way to learn my mom and my aunt my uncle rich whoever they all think they have a way of learning and they teach that upon you and then you do it but sometimes that can be inefficient it could be good whatever but um, i think there's that other component that i would love to see more is is how do we help people themselves uh, be smarter at the way that they actually learn to then be able to think more critically, be able to do some of those uh, power skills as they're learning more of those uh, larger topics?
1: Yeah, Jake, that is great. I, and I tell you, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't throw a plug out there for um, you guys. Will <laughs> you guys will know the Coursera course "Learning to Learn"? You know, still remains one of the most popular MOOCs out there that's ever been launched. They continue to update it. The, the two authors, right, the two professors behind that course actually have just released a couple of books that are, um, one of which is aimed at uh, kids, another one aimed at teenagers. Um, and I hear that there's another one coming out specific to the adult learner. So if you haven't, if you are a learning professional or if you are at all interested in the corporate learning space, if you have not gone out and seen that Coursera learning to learn course, I highly recommend doing so. I, I was blown away by it.
3: Well, Allison, that's a great segue into uh, another question, uh, and that is about about you personally. How do you personally learn on an ongoing basis? You need to keep on top of so many different things, and it's not just learning because you've got a much broader role than that. How do you how do you keep on top of things? How do you personally learn?
1: Sure, Uh, you know, most naturally, I'm a reader. So most naturally, I've got my Kindle with me all the time. I've even got some old school paper books that travel with me occasionally. Um, I am a huge Audible fan. Um, I actually call myself an Audible addict um, on a regular basis. So to me, that first bit of that that natural, just on my own consumption of content um, is probably the biggest, right, the most significant impact of my own learning Um, but, But right up there as well is the nature of my job means that I get to have conversations with people all the time, every day about where is our business going and what are the challenges and where are we with respect to our business strategy, our talent strategy and so forth. And I'll tell you, I mean, working in a place like Accenture at the pace at which we work with the intensity of our business. Every single conference call, every single Skype meeting, every single in-person discussion is a learning moment as well. Um, So, you know, to me, right, the reading, the listening, the consumption of content, one big space, two, recognizing that every interaction that I have with folks is an opportunity for learning. Um, And then three, but it is a distant three for me. You know, is that time away to learn? Peace, right? When I do have the opportunity to, you know, put my day to day away for a while and actually go and engage in some kind of an immersive immersive learning event, um, you know, that that's an important space as well. But for me personally, that is a very distant space to my number one and two.
3: And how do you synthesize all of that? Because if you're constantly learning from reading and from your uh, from the network. Mm-hmm. Um, you need breathe time to synthesize. How do you, how do you do that?
1: I think I do it through sleeping, Dana. Honestly, (laughs) I have always, I have always been a big fan of sleeping well before it was like this in vogue thing, right? Like my, my parents even, you know, tell stories of how when I was six, seven, eight years old, I used to go up and ask them, or I would ask the babysitter if I could please go to bed. But so I, I do think the fact that I've always really treasured and protected my sleep helps, right? And of course, now that we know a little bit about, you know, the the neuroscience of knowledge mm-hmm. collection and storage and connections, right? We actually do know that sleep is a really crucial component for storing information, making connections, getting rid of the stuff that, you know, just would otherwise be clogging up, taking empty space there. So I think I think that's an important one. I think the second one is that is what I am expected to do in my job day in and day out. And so when, you know, when you feel accountable, when you feel responsible for doing something like that, I think that helps to just devote the time, devote the energy and say, this is the space that I need to be in because this is what's expected of me in my role.
2: I think one thing that you do really well, too, is actually when you are on calls, you're, you're actually sharing what you are learning at that given time which then is probably, I'm, I'm assuming, right, is a way to test your thinking, to try out uh, different ideas and thoughts, as well as to get other people to brainstorm or think about it as well. Would you think, agree with that? I, oh, I feel like that's the completely. case whenever I talk with you.
1: No, com- completely, right? And and I believe we have a durable learning principle around that, right? That whole concept of, of of generative, right? Putting things in your own words, making those connections, um, you know, being able to to relay things that you've heard and you've learned to others, they play it back to you. You're now starting to think about that a little bit differently. All of a sudden, something that you know two hours ago did not seem remotely connected to something else seems to make sense, and there's a synergy there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And Allison, I'll help you. I'll help you answer this question a little bit too for yourself, <laughs> <laughs> because we spent a, a good chunk of last week together in three separate events right and we
1: did we we did did,
0: and it which was delightful um but probably more time spent like co-located and working together than we have in the past and i did notice a couple things about you one is what jake just said is you are great at summarizing what you learn and um and using that both for yourself but also to help other people learn the other thing is i noticed how curious you are and how um unafraid you are to ask any question and you know there were there were some questions that came up where I thought you know wow if I was a managing director at Accenture I might hesitate about asking that question about how our company works, <laughs> uh, which I. I
1: that's Bob's nice way of saying, Allison. Didn't shouldn't you have known that already?
0: It wasn't though, because no, you shouldn't. You you shouldn't necessarily have. Oh, um, but I admired that in you because I know true confessions. In the past, there are times when I won't ask a question because I'm afraid it might make me look bad, and I don't think that that's something that you do. And I just think that's great.
1: Well, thanks, Bob. I mean, it, to to be honest, I, I really. I'm not sure when I made that shift. I, I know what you're talking about. I know that sense of being somewhere and saying, gosh, you know, I I shouldn't ask this question because I'm going to look stupid or they they think I should know this and so forth. But I don't know, somewhere a couple of years ago, I just kind of lost that and said, you know, I'm I'm perfectly capable. I'm perfectly comfortable um, with people knowing that I don't know everything, right? And that I'm, you know, if, if I can learn, if I can walk out of this meeting, walk out of this design session. You know, with clarity on something that, quite frankly, maybe I've always been confused about or never even thought to ask. Right? Why not take advantage?
0: And never once did did anybody flinch. Never once did anybody think, "Wow, that doesn't look right." So, <laughs> yeah, good strategy.
1: There you go.
0: Okay, uh, you know what? We are getting close to the end of our time, so I have one more question for you, Allison. Which is, how in the world did you get here? And I'm not talking about finally get on our getting on our podcast. I am talking about. How did you become the lead for learning in all of Accenture? Tell us a little bit about your career journey.
1: Sure. No, I'd be happy to. I did think you were going to ask me about how I finally got on the podcast, though, because <laughs> that is something I've been asking for for a while. So uh, maybe maybe some similar answers between the two, because I do believe that there's a lot of luck involved in both, with one, my finally getting on the podcast, but two, my my getting the privilege of being able to lead learning and leadership development. You know, my, my quick career background, I actually... Left undergrad with a degree in political science and Spanish and a desire to go work somewhere in an education policy space. I was the, or I am the child of two public school teachers. So I always knew that in some way, shape, or form, learning, you know, education would be part of what I did. Um, I went to the University of Arizona for a couple of years and temporarily fell in love with the idea of working at a college. However, it was a strange thing that the longer I stayed there, the younger and younger college freshmen got which was obviously me getting older. But but either way, uh, you know, got connected with Accenture and had the opportunity to come and work as a change management consultant for several years and loved the work I did in consulting here. Absolutely loved it. Um, but ended up transitioning to some internal roles so I could do what I used to do for clients for Accenture. And, you know, that was about 10 years ago. And I've just had incredible opportunities to work with Super connected, super smart, super supportive leaders that have constantly thrown stretch assignments my way. It's been one stretch assignment after the next. The role I'm in right now is a stretch assignment. (laughs) I always say to, I always say, uh, you know, to our HR leadership, I feel like I'm always growing into my role. Um, and I think you know, with a mindset like that on a career, if you can, if you can find yourself, you know, in one role after the next where you feel like you are always growing into it. That is just a wonderful space to be with respect to your own development and, you know, kind of keeping keeping everything firing, right? Learning every day, bringing creativity, enhancing your skills. So that's that's how I've gotten here. That, that and a little bit of luck along the way. Maybe a whole lot of luck along the way, but definitely a combination of those.
0: Well, whatever it is, we are glad that you did. And we are glad that you are leading learning at Accenture. And we are glad that you are the patron saint of the Learning Geeks.
1: I am incredibly honored to be the patron saint of the geeks.
0: <laughs> We're I, not I, do still, I am still waiting for
1: my saint medal. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's coming. <laughs> the, the merch store will definitely be available sometime in 2019. We're working on that right now. This is now, great. And you'll be able to get some uh, St. Some Allison merch for sure. This so, is great. Uh, you know, I'm
1: going to buy some for my parents because, you know, that's probably the only time I'll ever be referred to. You know, in that context <laughs> and Saint of St. Allison, Allison. They, they certainly don't refer to me as that. So there you
0: go. Great. Well, this has been delightful. We we have to have you back on the podcast sometime.
1: I would love to come back on the podcast. Let's see how many months it takes. You've
3: got an excellent podcasting voice. So, yeah, you're
0: oh, a natural. Thank you. All right. Well, let's put a pin in it there until the next time we bring Allison back on the show. And we'll be back very soon with another episode of the Learning Geeks. We're going to try to get one more in, I think, before the end of the calendar year. Yep. And then we look forward to a bright 2019 in the world of learning and geekdom. It's going to be a big world, in the, big year in the world of geekdom because it's a huge Star Wars year. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Uh, one episode right now. you couldn't
1: make it through one episode without mentioning Star Wars Bob?
0: not one nope couldn't couldn't I nope. Contractually, I'm, I'm, I'm angling for that Lucasfilm and that Disney uh, sponsorship so. fair, enough. fair so enough we'll get there alright so on behalf of Allison Horn and Dana Cock and Jake Gittleson this is myself Bob Gerard wishing all of you a great day thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Learning Geeks podcast thanks everybody thanks everybody bye
1: everyone bye, bye.